All right. Get this going. You guys doing good? Ready for tonight? I, uh, I woke up this morning with, uh, with just knowing that tonight was going to be really special. And, and I, I might say that every week, but I really do believe tonight's going to be special. I, I have that in in, like, anticipation in my heart. There's, a, uh, there's something that I wanted to talk to, to you guys about tonight, something that's been on my heart for the last couple of weeks. And we've been going through the series of the Holy Spirit. Um, and tonight we get to do something new. And um, we're, we're going to start a new series coming up, probably on the character and the life of Jesus. But tonight's kind of like a, a preview of, of just what's been on my heart. And um, there's this common denominator conversation that's going around in our culture. And um, it's, it's incredibly heavy. It's incredibly uh, terrifying. And at, at times, now watch this, we, we, can, we can consider ourselves followers of Jesus, yet... There's something interesting about walking through fear and, and doubt and brokenness and depression. And this conversation, this perspective of anxiety and depression. I'm sure if we were to take a poll in this room and you were to be honest, um, different moments of your life you've probably faced depression or anxiety. There's people in my life that I know right now that are struggling with severe amounts of anxiety and depression. Yet... I believe that we oftentimes can give too much power to those things because there is a spiritual perspective going on, right? So um, Thursday I woke up in the morning and uh, I, I do this weird thing when I'm getting ready to prepare a message that's on my heart. It's kind of like my own creative um, niche. And I, I will almost give my own messages like in front of the mirror or I can walk down the street and I just start talking. And oftentimes I'm talking to God, but I'm just, I'm starting to give a message. And that's kind of where my creative mind goes. That's just how I process. So if you ever see me outside of Cana Brew, like I'm giving a message. Like there's, I, people like drive by and like, I'm like yelling, but I always put headphones in my ear to make it seem like I'm, I'm on the phone with somebody. But I'm, I'm processing what, what I believe God is like given me, he's given me a thought and, and I just need it to get into my, my DNA and my soul. And this perspective of, of anxiety and depression, I wanted to speak to it for a moment, yet I also understand the ramifications of the day and age we're living in. I believe that we're, we are living and facing end times. And that could sound a bit dreary and a bit heavy, but the scriptures speak of it in the book of Revelation and it's a very hard book to tackle. Uh, any person that understands any thought of theology, a lot of pastors don't even speak on the book of Revelation. I'm not speaking on it tonight, but I'm just saying the end times is very, it's very, uh, it almost seems as if it's, it's like here and now. And the reason I say that is because there's so much brokenness around us. And you may say, that's not true, Sammy. I, I oppose that. I don't agree with that. Yet every conversation I have with people as we get coffee, as we talk on the phone, people that I meet that, that know nothing about God will somehow, some way express to me that they have anxiety in their life. And yet I believe that it's, it's, it's a conversation that tonight looks Satan in the face and, I, and, I, and like grabs Satan's face and says, you're not going to have your way in this. 
Because I, I, I do believe that, that tonight, if, if it could just get into our soul, there could be so much breakthrough in the scripture and the, the thought that God's given me to speak to you tonight. There's this, uh, there's this analogy. So oh, anyway, so I, I woke up on Thursday morning. That's why I was like, why did I talk about Thursday morning? I woke up on Thursday morning and I was getting ready to speak at the Christian club at Chino High School. And I love high school uh, age. I love speaking to them because I could say, I could just be completely honest and real and, and it gets their attention even more. So it's like so fun. And I only have like 10 minutes. So I just go 100% in. But before I was getting ready, I didn't know what I was talking about. The, like I woke up and I was like, God, what, what is it that you want to speak to these high schoolers today? And I was in the bathroom and I think Kelly's mom uh, gave like Kelly this, this key and this lock because I was in the bathroom and I saw the, uh, this lock and this key on it. And, and I like looked at it and I thought, man, like there, there might be so many people in our lives. I've talked about this, alluded to this, that there's, they're walking around in chains, like captive to sin or brokenness or fear or anxiety or terror. And when it's locked, I believe there's no potential to unleash what God has in store for you. Especially when there's heaviness over your life. And a lock, like the analogy of a lock, it's, it, it closes things in, it secures things in. But the negative connotation to that is it holds things in to where there's, there's no power, there's no relinquish if, if, if it's not unleashed, if it's not unlocked. And so I, I went to this passage of scripture as I, was I wanted to talk about the high schoolers and it was this passage in the, the book of Timothy and it says that you were not given a spirit of fear but a spirit of love, a spirit of hope and a spirit of self-discipline. And then I asked myself, it, it was like, well, who told you you didn't have that, the spirit of love, hope and self-discipline? Who told you you had the spirit of fear? And there's times where I'm praying and I feel like God gives me, he, he like puts in my heart what other people might be going through. And if I could be honest, it's, it's not always a fun place to be in. Because if I could be sitting across the table with someone, it's almost as if God, I used to pray this prayer in Bible school and it was a song and it says, uh, uh, God, give, open up your heart, like give me your heart. And I remember I used to pray and I used to cry and I used to like weep and, and I used to be like, God, I just want to feel what you feel. I want I to be able to experience like the love you have for other people. But little did I know when I'd asked God to give me his heart, I then felt the pain of what he was feeling in, in the world as well. And so I am an incredible sympathetic person. I'm not a type of person, if you tell me stuff's going on in your life, I'm just gonna be like, you'll be okay. I really can feel with you. I'm a feeler by nature. If you look at the, the Myers-Briggs, I'm a total F. I don't oftentimes think with logic, although that's important and I do, but I naturally will lean to my emotion and my feeling. And so when I'm having conversation with someone that's going through something, I tend to feel what they're going through. And so this thought came up in my head, who told you that you had fear? And then I remember the passage of scripture. If you were to look at the Old Testament in the book of Genesis, in Genesis chapter one and chapter two, it's incredibly important that we understand these first two verses is the apex of humanity how it was established, how it, God was calling um, humanity to rule the earth. And yet something happened in chapter three. It was the fall, it was the mess up, it was the sin that was put against God. We sinned against God because God said, you can have everything here at the Garden of Eden. The Garden of Eden is like a utopia of what I believe will be like heaven. 
It's in perfect harmony with God. The scripture says that Adam and Eve walked in the cool of day with God. And yet something happened in chapter 3 where they were deceived. Did you know, side note, the first sin was not Eve or Adam having the fruit. The first sin within the course of human history or humanity or just life or existence, it actually happened in heaven. It was Lucifer who sinned against God with envy and pride. So pride truly is the root to all evil. I don't know if you knew that, but pride has a big play part to play in our heart and in the erosion of our heart, and it causes us to think we're greater or we're better. And so oftentimes we find ourselves, as Adam and Eve did, because the, the serpent, the snake, Satan said, hey, you know you could be like God, right? Like who, who told you you can't have that? Like you sh- it's okay. And what happens is Adam and Eve, it was first Eve and then it was Adam and they were deceived. And then the scripture says, because they were naked, right? Like we, we have these, the children's book and they were like covered and stuff. They, they were completely naked before they had ever sinned and they, were, they, were not, they had no shame. But after they sinned and after the serpent deceived them, the scripture says that Adam and Eve went to go hide from God. And God then calls out, to Adam and Eve, and he says, where, where are you? And we could look at that and read that, and if we don't have any knowledge of the, the book of Genesis, it's an incredible poetic analogy of human history. The first, especially the first couple chapters, if we were to go back to ancient times, those that wrote the book, those that, that carved it out, it was incredibly poetic. And so when it says, God is saying, where are you? He, he knows exactly where they are. It's, it's a deeper expression of the question. He's, have you ever, I, I'm married, right? And Kel, Kelly and I, man, we've known each other since we were here at, at junior high. And I, I will, I'll be honest, here's my confession. That there's times where we're like hanging out together or we're getting coffee. Or it happens a lot when we're in the car because my mind just goes a million different ways. And, and I could be listening to Kelly for moments and I'm still, I'm like in her presence or we're sitting and we're talking and, and we're listening. I'm like, yeah. And then my mind goes somewhere else. And then she'll ask me this question like, where are you? I'm like, Kelly, I'm right here. <laughs> but here's the thing. God asks Adam and Eve this because they were no longer in the presence of God. You see, there was a connection between God and humanity, but something happened. And it has to do with Satan, and it has to do with Lucifer, and it has to do with sin, and it has to do with pride. So here's the cross-reference. It says this in 2 Corinthians 11, verse 3. But I am afraid, this is Paul speaking to the church, I am afraid that just as Eve was deceived by the serpents coming, here it is, your minds, say minds, minds, your minds may somehow be led astray from your sincere and pure devotion to Christ. Another way to put the question, who told you, is to ask, who are you listening to? Because God was listening, like Adam and Eve were listening to God this entire time. And, and I don't have enough time to express you and explain to you how Satan found himself in the Garden of Eden here on earth. But something happened along the way. Yet he's there and he lies and he, he deceives and he tells us some, there's something better on the other side. You just got to have it. It'll be okay. And then there's this separation between man and God. And now the question then is who are you listening to? Who told you that you were naked? God asks Adam and Eve. 
He, he says, I, Adam's like, God, I, I mean, I hid from you because I noticed like I was naked and I was ashamed. I, I was naked be, because I, I realized like after I took that and after I was deceived, I saw things in a different way. And then I noticed I was naked, God. And so then God says, who told you you were naked? And that's the question that I want to sit on tonight and express to you, who told you? Whatever you're going on, like whatever's going on in your life, who told you all of the negative things? Who spoke that to you? It was a question that I feel God spoke to me when I looked myself in the mirror and I was, I was talking about, you know, God, if God did not give me a spirit of fear, but of love, of hope, and of self-discipline. And then I asked myself, but then who told me that I had fear? So what's interesting is that the God that knows everything was, he was asking for his location. He was asking why this man was not in his presence. Genesis, again, who told you you were naked? And I wrote these, these questions down because I want, I want you to just think through them. Who are you listening to? Who told you that what they're saying is true? Who told you that you're going to be a failure? Who told you that you're poor? Who told you that you're ugly? Who told you you're not good enough? Who told you you're hopeless? Who told you that the future is dark? Who told you that money is the key to happiness? Who told you that you need a spouse to be whole? Who told you that you need to be a millionaire by 30? Who told you that you've been disqualified? Who told you it's too late? Who told you you're a fool? Who told you that your best life involves your dream house and a healthy family and that if you don't have that, you're doing something wrong? Who told you that your mistakes mean you can never be as good as the others who have made better decisions? Who told you your dream is impossible? And then the question that I'll ask culture, who told you to be afraid? Who told you that you have anxiety? Who told you you had depression? And here's, here's, here's the step back and, and this, the, the understanding that I, I desire Honestly, I pray, God, I want to be able to feel and experience what others go through. And that I, I'm being honest, there are moments, I, I believe any generation, especially the older generation, can raise your hand and be like, yes, I've gone through some heavy stuff. But the problem is we can speak something so much over our lives that it becomes who we are. The great fear then from the, from, from the culture that we're living in, here's the great fear that I believe as a pastor, as a human being, walking with life with people, desiring to have a family one day, seeing little kids like baby Drew, like hanging out with Brendan and, and Maddie, like the great fear that I, that I see and that I experience and that I feel is that we will be so deceived to be speaking things into our life that we're never supposed to be spoken to in the first place. Because there's one thing to be going through depression, but there's another to be owning depression. There's, there's, there's a space in time where we're going through a valley, but not a space in time where we're supposed to live in the valley. And so therefore there is a mind shift that must take place and you can do your due diligence and look up psychologist. There is a brink of excitement. There is a lure, there is a drive within the psychology realm of education and academics. People are so driven and drawn and I love it and I think we need to learn more and understand more. I think we need to have more understanding of the human brain and neuroscience and the, what, what is it, the, the endorphins and the, all that stuff, right? The dopamine in our brain. 
And it's like a side note, like, I know Garrett would agree with me because he loves working out. Like, when I'm going through some stuff, all I got to do is go to the gym and I feel a little bit better. And I realized, talking to someone that's a doctor, she then told me, I said, man, there's so much depression going on. She's like, did you know, this is, honestly, this is an encouragement for all of us in the room. She said, did you know that people that are clinically depressed, clinically, the same medication they're taking to just get through the day, to have hope, to walk, if they were just to go outside in the sun and just go for a walk, the same thing that the brain will create in them is the same, the same medicine that they need. And I remember I was like, whoa. That's, and this is someone that actually understands the human brain. So I'm grateful for neuroscience. I'm grateful for understanding that. But here's the thing. As I step back, the scripture already told me that. This, the Bible already alludes to the promises that God's given us. Second Timothy, here it is. For God has not given us a spirit of fear but of power and of love and a sound mind. I want to read that again just so we can, we can just like, like hold on to this thought. For God has not given us a spirit of fear. Therefore, God gives us something. If we were to exegete this passage, pull it from, for what it's worth, what then has God given us? Because he's not given us the spirit of fear. So what has he given us? And we've talked about it throughout these last couple of weeks. He gives us a spirit of hope. He gives us a spirit of peace. He gives us his Holy Spirit to, uh, to help us witness and have strength and have power in the life we're called to live. But he doesn't give us the spirit of fear. Then we must ask ourselves, where does fear come from? Well, it's a human expression of life. And if we were to go back, it's so important, we can't, you cannot miss this. If you were to go back to the time of Adam and Eve when they fell, when they sinned, when they messed up, God had a perfect plan. It was a perfect space and time. It was the kingdom. It was where he wanted to establish and call us to more. It was where we were supposed to be in perfect union with, with God. That, that there was the fall. There was something that happened, a separation. And it literally says that fear crept in to Adam. The first time fear came on the scene. So before, with perfect union with God, there was no fear. So then, it's so important to realize God has not given us a spirit of fear, but we're going to go through fear. We're going we're gonna to have moments of fear, but he just tells us, don't live in that. That's not the spirit I want you to, to have. That's not the spirit I want you to walk in. I know you're going to have some stuff going on in your life. He tells Joshua, and there's a passage of scripture we'll hit on. He tells Joshua right before he's going to go into battle, and he's going to take on a mantle and to run and rule a nation and be a leader. He says, I know you're afraid, Joshua. But be strong and be courageous, for I am with you and I will never leave you. So, in other words, you're, you're going to be afraid at times. But don't own the fear. Step through it. You're going to be afraid. There's going to be a valley, but don't sit in it. Walk through it. So I want us to imagine a, a lock and a key. And it, it's what I looked at when I was getting ready to to go speak to the high schoolers and I, and I gave this message and I felt like God said, I want you to speak it on Sunday because I just, I just touched like just the tip of what God wanted to say and I, I needed enough time to really express what he was telling me. Who told you to be afraid? Some of you have paralysis, the loss of the ability to move. Some moment in time and space, there was a text message you got and you were stuck in paralysis. You know, paralysis is not literally, literally not being able to move because you were so struck by fear. A word you got from someone, 
Something that happened to you when you were younger and it comes back into remembrance. Something that someone spoke over you. An event that took place in your life. A, a news from the doctor that you got. A parent, a loved one, a sibling that is in the hospital that you're just stuck in paralysis and at times it can consume you. So we have the fear of dreams. We have the fear of failure. We have fear of losing. We have fear of messing up, fear of getting it wrong, fear of not being accepted, fear of not being known, fear of others' opinions about you. Some of you are in paralysis by the constant need of validation and being praised. Some of you have a fear of criticism. I know sometimes that's me, if I'm being honest. I, I need to understand like effective criticism. That they're not just trying to tell me like I'm a horrible, they're trying to make me better. Confrontation, some of us have a fear of confrontation. I even wrote this down, a fear of fear. And I believe there are fear of windows, what we see in the world around us. But there's also fear of mirrors, what we see in ourselves. If you were to look yourself in the mirror and there's voices speaking over you and it's a voice of fear, my question then to you would be, who told you that that is you? Because the scripture says, God says, I did not give you that. So then if he didn't give it to you, who gave it to you? Who spoke that to you? And this, my, like honestly, this is where I, I see how craft and how cunning and how strategic and how specific the enemy is in our lives. He's so deceptive and he's so smart. And he knows exactly where to get us, how to find us, what to speak to us, how to, how to move us, how to shake us. He knows exactly the things he needs to speak to you to get you going. He knows exactly the word to tell you to cause fear in your life. So when you're standing in the mirror, you have to realize that is not the voice of God. There is another voice that wages war with God and humanity and life and peace. And I, I, I wanted to give a message on, on two different camps, but I'm just going to say it. Um, Nelson, can you come on up, bro? Come on up. I got Nelson. Can we give it up for Nelson? I, I, I had this idea. Nelson, come over here, bro. <laughs> I'm sorry. You're going to have to stand here for just a, a couple minutes. So this, this was, I made sure James really locked him in tight. Is that, it's, man, it feels like, wow, James, you really made that tight. Now, there's, like, Nelson, unless he has the key, he's not going to be able to get out of these chains. And I felt like God told me one time, Sammy, that you have to understand when people walk in, when people come, when you sit down with people, when you're talking to people, they have chains on. And there's a chain, there's one specific chain I want to talk about. There's one specific lock that I want to bring into remembrance of your heart, your mind, and your soul. And it's the chain, it's the lock of fear and anxiety. And you have to understand if you give it room in your life, in your mind, in your being, if you shed light to it, Man, if, if, you, if, you, if you social media it, if you get it out to the world, if you tell everyone about it, if you just want people to know this is what you're going through. And, and mind you, like we talk about this, right, Nelson? Like there's, there's something about having friends and, and someone that's closer than a brother, a confidant in your life. And there has to be very specific people in your life that if you tell them something, they're, they're not going to think of you any differently. If you don't have those people, you need those people. 
But I know I've gone through some mess in the last couple of weeks, the last two years. I just know if I social mediaed it, if I put it on my stories and on my Instagram, if I let the world know about it, if I put it on my Facebook for everyone to see, I am giving the enemy power over my life. How? Well, well, well why, why, Sammy? Why, why are you saying that? That's not possible. That's not true. Well, I did not, that's not my spirit in the first place. So I'm then giving the enemy access over my life to continue to laugh and mock me. Yeah, that's exactly what you're going through. You're a depressed. You got, you've got anxiousness over your life. You'll never get out of it. You've got hopelessness in your life. You'll never get out of hopelessness. You've got pain in your life. You'll never find a day where you have hope. And what we can do is we give, we give the enemy power over the camp of despair. So there's two camps. I just, just briefly, because I want to give a message on this in the future. There's the camp of hope, and then there's, there's the camp of despair. And Nelson right now, he's, he's in the camp of despair, sadly. You're, you're in the camp of despair, bro. And, 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 and there's chains, there's this specific chain, and it's fear, and it's anxiety, and it's brokenness, and it's pain, and it's hurt, and, and it's everything that the enemy wants you to know is horrible about you. And that's the camp that Nelson can continue to live in. Now watch this. But Nelson, um, this isn't Nelson, by the way. I, he's good. But Nelson, <laughs> Nelson, I know him. He loves Jesus. We're not perfect. There's, I'm not even perfect. Nelson's not perfect, but he loves God. He's so incredibly passionate about being in right standing with God. That's what I, I really respect about this guy. He pushes me to more, and he doesn't even know it. But you can, be, you can be a believer of Christ and desire all those things, yet still have a chain on your, your hands, yet still have chains in your mind. How is that so? How is that possible? Well, why is it that we get news? We get news of people just, like, just ending it all. I just have no more hope. I can't, I, can't, I just, there's just no more left in me. It will terrify you if you just look up the statistic of suicide. It terrifies me when I look it up. And I just, I, I, I had to give this message because I wanted to grab Satan by his face and let him know we're, we're not going to be the type of church that gives that life. We will always be a type of community that speaks hope and peace and dream and victory. And that's the type of community we're going to be. So... Nelson, I wrote this down, okay? It says, unlock your mind. How do you do this then? Okay, here we go. Unlock your mind. Romans 12, 2 says, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed, here it is, by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to rest and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. The next passage of scripture is 2 Corinthians 10, 5. It says, we destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the four, the knowledge of God and take, here it is, take every thought captive to obey Christ. Philippians 4, 8 says, finally, brothers, whatever, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, Whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. So I wrote this down. When you unlock your mind, you unlock your potential. All right, Nelson, I know you've been up here for a while, bro. So like, 
I was thinking about this. I was having this conversation with God, and I was like, God, well, how is it that we can be believers and still go through like, like we're in, like incarcerated? We're captives to our sin, to our depression, to our anxiety, to the thoughts that can rule our mind. How is it possible, God? Because here's the thing. God gives you a gift. We talked about it. The gift God gives us is salvation. That's yours. And, and it's a promise of God. If there were anything that happened in your life, if you have God in your heart, he will be with him face to face in eternal life. And I love that. And I stand on that. And I preach on that. And that will be my cry. That you can, you can achieve salvation. And it's a gift. It's free. But then, it's like, it's like my nephew, my nephew, he, he's, he's 16 years old, or he's gonna be 16, he's 15 and a half, and I know he just got a car, and like, we're so excited for him, and he's gonna get his license, and just imagine, I was thinking about this, imagine he had his license, and he had his car, and he went through like the training, and the car was just sitting in the garage, and his dad's like, Isaac, I got you the key, man, like, go and take the car for a ride, you're 16, go, it's yours, and we can live in such fear and captivity that we won't even step out because of the fear of what can happen. So we can get a phone call. And I'm not saying there's anything wrong with this. This is my call as a pastor, as leaders. We want to speak hope and life into people. But here's the problem, friend. I am not a therapist. I don't have all the answers in your life. I don't know all the things that are going on. I don't know the one thing to speak to you that's gonna set you free, but I know who does. It's Jesus. So I can lead you and bring you to Jesus and bring you to God and say, look, there's a scripture, there's a passage, there's meaning, there's hope, there's life and death in the power of the tongue. Read on such things, understand such things. You have the Holy Spirit. He will give you power. He will give you strength. Step into such things, yet we, I can find myself meeting with the same person a couple months later. Hey, how you doing, man? What's going on? You know, that one girl that like, ah. And I'm like, well, did you, you said you're going to break up. Like, if you guys, no, I haven't, I haven't broken up with her. And I'm like, okay, well, what do you, like, there's nothing I can do. Because, like, God's giving you the key. <laughs> you have the key. The key is salvation and the key is God. The key is Jesus. And Yet, we're living as if we're incarcerated and captivated by sin and brokenness. And it's up to you to step in and to use the key that God's given you. Because what's crazy, bro, it's crazy, Nelson. We, t we talk about this all the time. Like, God will give us the key. It's like, here you go. Unlock it. Go for it. And it's just like, I'll do it for you. It's going to be really hard. But it's like, <laughs> it's like how, how on earth are you not... You gotta understand that, that like, it's, it's already in you. Like, Brandon Montoya, I know you're in this room, bro. Like, he's got so many dreams of, like, his business. And what I love about him is he knows that it's in him. The potential is already within him. When we, when we accept Jesus as our Lord, meaning I'm gonna, I'm gonna abide by what he calls me to do. Like, he can be my king. That's amazing. I, I need a king in my life. I need someone who's going to be my, my, my savior in my life, who's going to take care of the battles. But I don't know about the whole lordship thing. Because when I have a lord, I need to abide by what he tells me to do. 
And yet he's like, well, but I, I'd like giving you this key. Here, you, if the key is right here. Just un, unlock, unleash everything that's, that's broken and hurt and painful in your life. Just unlock it. And like, I know this is like a, such a silly analogy. I really do. But I want you guys to wrap your mind around. There's something about the mind in this. Say this with me. I have the key. <laughs> I have the key. The key is your salvation. The key is God's gift to you. The key is the Holy Spirit. The key is the power. Therefore, it is my job to turn the key. It's my responsibility. It's my duty. God has given it to me. I didn't get it on my own. But it's my responsibility to turn the key. Because the gift of salvation is yours. Here it is, salvation. Everything that we were called to live within the Garden of Eden, the scripture says that we bear the image of God and it's translated in the Greek, the imago Dei, the image bearers of God. If I'm an image bearer of God, then I must walk and live what he thinks of me. So when I look myself in the mirror, I don't tell myself I'm afraid, even though I'm terrified at times, because I know what he's calling me to. I don't tell myself that I'm a nobody. I don't tell myself the business isn't going to grow. I don't tell myself God isn't going to know, God isn't going to speak to people. I speak hope in situations that seem hopeless because I know that what the scripture says about such things. I must then renew my mind. It's a renewal, a constant renewal, a constant frustration, understanding that the world says it a certain way, yet God says it this way. Because I can always live, it's so easy to live in the camp of despair. Yet it's incredibly taxing on my mind to continually fight for my future. It's really easy to go neutral. But like there, there takes some power in an engine to go into first and then to go into second and to go into third. But if I'm neutral, I'm just coasting. So you, like, are, are you just coasting in life? Or do you realize and understand that you, have, you already have the key to victory? All right, Nelson, I know you've been up here long enough. I just, I want to unlock this for you, bro. Because I know you've been up here for a while. And I, I know, here's the thing. I know it's such a, like, it's like, oh, my gosh, like, a key and now it's in his lock. But, like, I, I, I honestly, like, I, I've, I imagine these things. Like, I imagine this. I see this when I'm sitting with people, and I can tell they're in brokenness, in brokenness. I just want to tell them, like, do you know you're a child of God? Did you know that God has given you all of the power and all of the victory, did you know that it's already yours? Yet, like, you're just kind of, like, playing with the key. All right, bro, let me open it for you. I hope I can get it off, man. And I, I just, I want people to realize, like, this, you can sit down, bro, thank you. Can we give it up for Nelson? This, I promise you, you can use me as an illustration when you speak, bro. But, like, this, I, I can't stand this. We're almost done. Worship team, you guys can come on up. I, I cannot stand this. I really can't. I, like, it, it drives me insane. I'm, I'm not kidding. I don't know if, like, I just am a freak about this stuff, but I hate wickedness and that people are going through pain. I hate that so much. When, when, I, when I see a friend 
that, that, that gives power to darkness. I hate that. When I see people that I cherish so deeply with my life speak brokenness over a situation, I can't stand that. Because I know that it's giving ammunition to the enemy to speak into our lives. Who told you you were afraid? Who told you that you weren't good enough? Who told you you couldn't achieve what God's called you to achieve? And it's almost as if, like, God just wants you to know that we could be so locked up in our own pain and our own brokenness, but if we would just realize that we already have what we need in our hands, that we can make it through the day. We can step into more. We can fight for victory. And it's, it's like, it's already in you. He's designed us that way. Isn't that crazy? Like, even... I hurt my knee really bad. And like, even the way that our body heals itself, God put that in us. And yet, when our mind gets so captivated and incarcerated and broken by fear and anxiety and doubt, what we do when we continue to think those things and say those things, we give that more, the enemy, more ammunition to speak brokenness over our life. So I'm praying for a new, a new language of our culture. That we would speak hope and hopelessness. That we would speak life where there seems to be just death. That's the song I will always sing. That's what I will always call our community to. I, I, I need friends like that. I need my wife to tell me, Sammy, it's just a season. Like, like it's okay. We're going to get out of it. I, I need my parents at times to tell me it's going to be all right. I, I need that because it's in me. And, and when they speak that over me, I, I'm like, oh, oh, oh. That's what God has always been saying about me in the first place. So there's three things that I want to I leave you with. Three things. How, how, do we, how do we do this? How do we step into this? How do we understand that it's already in us if we could be followers of Christ or understand Christ or, or say, I, I, I want to be a disciple or an apprentice of Christ. Why then am I going through this stuff? Well, three things I want to leave with you. First is learn God's word. You see, you won't unlock your potential unless you actually open the Bible and learn what it says about your life and your future. Number two, accept God's word. If you want God's best for your life, you need to accept what it says as the final authority for how you live. And the last is what is so incredibly hard for all of us, and it's obey God's word. You see, you can't just learn and accept. You have to now live it out, abide in. You don't get blessed if the parts of the Bible you know you get blessed for the parts of the Bible you do. Do you know that? <laughs> like I could, I could talk for hours just about that one, like that one little piece. Because we talk so, we can have so much knowledge up here and it's great and it's awesome. And, I, and there's like theologians, there's people that understand the Bible and you can exegete it and you can give me the, you even have it memorized and you can tell it to me and we can be walking and talking and laughing and you can remind me of how I'm such a bad person because you know the passage and you know the scripture, but yet it's all just in your mind. And it's the very thing that we're not living out. If we were living out, we would be different. 
people would be able to see us in a different way if we actually lived out what the Bible says. And I want to be a type of person that does that. I need a community to help me do it, though. It's really hard to do it all the time. So I'll leave you with this passage. Here's the potential for your life. As you turn the key to release your future, 1 Corinthians 2.9 says this. What no eye has seen, what no ear has heard, and what no human mind has conceived, the things God has prepared for those who love him. And friend, he loves you. He loves you with an everlasting love. He loves you despite everything that you've done and will do. He is incredibly in love with you. And he wants you to know that there's a better tomorrow and your sorrow, and your pain, and your anxiety, and your depression, and I would just encourage you, not the world doesn't have to know what you're going through. Only a couple of people do. That's my opinion. Because I, I don't want to tell the world, because then the world's just going to turn it on me. Well, why are you thinking that way? Well, why are you talking that way if you're a child of God? Well, why are you speaking like that? Why are you talking? And, 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 but if I, if I just tell a certain amount of people, it's like, hey, we got you, man. We're praying for you. We're gonna, we're gonna carry you through this season and I only need a couple of them. My wife is one of them. My wife is one of them that, that can just, I can confide in, I can tell her everything. I don't need to post it. I don't need the world to see it. I don't need people's um, like praise. I don't need, I just, I, just need a, I just need to know that I'm okay and my wife is a great person to let me know. Sammy, it's just a season. And so you, you have to have just a handful of people in your life that will speak hope and peace and joy and know that there is so much potential in you. All you have to do is unlock it. You already have the key. The key is already in your hand. Let's pray. Jesus, I pray for every person in this room, God. Every person that's going through something, every person that's dealing with something, God, they may have walked in this room with severe amounts of anxiety and depression and brokenness and hopelessness. God, they may be the one that looks themselves in the mirror and hears other voices and maybe they, they forgot that that was not your voice. I just wanna pray peace over every person that's going through that right now. And if you're in this room and you've never given your life to Jesus, if you've never done that, if you've never experienced that, if you've never said, Jesus, you can have my life, if you're here in this room, would you just be bold enough to raise your hand so I could pray for you? God, I thank you for every person in this room. God, I, I pray grace over them. I pray that they continue to run the race you've called them to. God, that they would experience the grace and the power and the love and the self-discipline that you have in store for their life. God, we love you so much. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Hey, you, could you guys stand up? We're going to finish off in worship. We love you guys so much. And we'll see you next time. We're going to finish this last song of worship.